the arc of his story. Please pay special attention to the title of the message today, the arc of his story. Do you, you hear the word arc there? You may be thinking, well, there's a lot of things you can think when you think the word arc, but I'm, I'm thinking like a trajectory, an arc. The word arc is spelled A-R-C, and we can use it as an acronym to stand for announcement, rejection, and then continued. A-R-C. It's an acronym spells out the word ARC, and that is our outline for today's message. And as we look at these passages of Scripture from the Gospel of Luke, we will see that Jesus was A, announced, Jesus was R, rejected, and then we see that Jesus continued His ministry. He went on. And when I say the arc of his story, I'm talking about the arc of Jesus's story. And that's a nice little play on word too, because if you put his story together, you have history. And it's the arc of history as well. Not only is it the arc of his story, it is the arc of history. These things that we talk to you about from the Gospels, from the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament alike, these things really happened. We have excellent eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus and His ministry. And speaking of eyewitness accounts, uh, please look into a new series. Several of us were talking about this uh, before Sunday school and maybe even during, during Sunday school. A new series on the life of Christ. It's entitled The Chosen. Brother Ken Kangas has patiently uh, recommended it to us over and over. And, and Rhonda and I have a just kind of a general uh, hesitation towards uh, any representation of the life of Christ. Uh, and so we, we just kind of naturally hold back. But he was, Brother Ken was so gracious and saying, I think you would like it. And, um, and we have liked it. We have liked it very much. We finally downloaded the app and we've started watching it. And now we've kind of gone to the opposite extreme. Now we're going slower because we don't, we don't want to get to the end of the story. We're enjoying it so much. Every now and then I'll be reading a book and I'll slow down because I'm enjoying it so much. That doesn't happen very often, but we are enjoying the chosen. And uh, one of the reasons why we're enjoying it so much is it deals with the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Peter, James, John, and others. It's the true story of Jesus, and it comes to life when you realize that the Gospels are true, and these are true-to-life eyewitness accounts of Jesus because, you see, my brothers and sisters, when a person meets Jesus, when a person comes to Jesus, life changes forever. Let's pray. Father, as we look at the ark of the life of your son, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you will bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word. Open our hearts, Lord, to the message that you would have for us today. In your name we pray, Jesus, our Savior. The ark of his story, A, announcement. We'll be in Luke chapter 4 be reading verses 14 through 31, and we'll see that this is the time when Jesus 
makes his own announcement. Now, he's been announced before. He was announced at his birth. John the Baptist announced, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now Jesus is going to do his own announcement. He's had the advanced man, John the Baptist, who came through and told everybody, somebody greater than I is coming. John the Baptist said, I baptize with water. The one who's coming after me baptizes with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And they said, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his sandals. So he's been announced before, but now Jesus is going to make his own announcement. We find this in the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 14 and following. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Him. He began by saying, to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. I want you to understand the drama of this moment. This is Nazareth, a small town, maybe 400 people at the time of Jesus in his childhood. And Jesus had spent his entire childhood here after they returned well first they were in Bethlehem then they were to Egypt but then back to Nazareth and he'd grown up in Nazareth this is his hometown Nazareth is referred to as his hometown he was known as Jesus of Nazareth and that wasn't really a compliment because Nazareth was a little know-nothing town I mean it was nothing I mean so small in the hills below the Sea of Galilee and Ron and I have had the distinct uh, pleasure of actually being to Nazareth. And, and I can tell you, there's not much there. But it was one of our favorite places. And uh, just loved Nazareth. So understand the drama of this moment. Jesus has gone out and has had some acclaim, some attention, the applause of many, and now he's come back home. And so there's a sense of anticipation. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus had next-door neighbors. He had people on the same street. He had people that he met with when they pressed out the the grapes for the grape juice. He had people that he had farmed with. He had people he had probably done carpentry repair work in their homes. And so the local boy has come home. And i got to tell you, sometimes this local boy who makes good and comes home, sometimes... It's not always the triumph that legend has. Let me tell you a little story. Early in the 1900s, James Lewis Kraft was a clerk in a store called Ferguson's. Now, this is near Niagara Falls. This is actually in Ontario, Canada. And James Lewis Kraft worked in Ferguson's. And 
he was recognized even when he was working at Ferguson's for his uh, acuity, and he was paid well. And he was, even though he was born on a farm nearby, he was hired. He was a good clerk. His employer appreciated him. A neighboring storekeeper by the name of Land remembered him well. Many years later, when Kraft revisited the Land store, the neighboring store, the elderly proprietor, Mr. Land, remembered him, recognized him right away. As a matter of fact, Mr. Land remembered him so well that he referred to him by his middle name, Lewis. Well, actually, he didn't even call him Lewis. He just called him Lou. A lot had happened since James Lewis Kraft had been working in Ferguson's down the street. James Lewis Kraft had founded the Kraft Cheese Company. You may have heard of it. The company's products had been distributed widely across the United States of America and even into Canada. It was in almost every store Kraft products were at this point. Millions of dollars in advertising had etched the name Kraft into the minds and hearts of public consciousness. And James Kraft had every expectation that at his homecoming that his old friend, Mr. Land, would have already known this. When Mr. Land saw him, he merely said, well, hello, Lou. I haven't seen you for years. You still clerking at Ferguson's? I wonder if Jesus' return to Nazareth had a little bit of the disappointment that James Lewis Kraft probably experienced at that moment. Remember the drama of the moment. All spoke well of him. The scriptures are very clear. Everybody's saying good things about Jesus at this point. They were amazed at how he spoke. But then things are about to change. This is the announcement. Jesus announces that the prophet Isaiah had prophesied about him, and he says, today, in your presence, this prophecy is being fulfilled. And we were talking about this this morning in Sunday school. There's a hinge moment. Things change. Is it here that it changes? When they say, well, all spoke well of him. They were amazed at what he said, yet, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? And it's like, that's not a positive thing. So we see the announcement of Jesus. Jesus. Now let's look at the R, the rejection of Jesus, picking back up in the passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 4, verses 23 and following. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And... There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Now when we were in Nazareth, the group went to the brow of the cliff. I was unable to go. Uh, I think I had a little bit of a heat stroke that morning. 
and uh, I could, I've, I've had a, something like this before, and so I recognized the symptoms, and, and we happened to be in the synagogue at that point in time, and I said, I just need to lay here in the synagogue, and the coolness of the, of the air in the synagogue, and, and I really revived right there, while the rest of the, the people went to the brow of the cliff. Rhonda stayed with me. She took good care of me. And I am so connected to that place because I know that Jesus was in that proximity. And I just feel a special kinship to Jesus when I'm in Nazareth. And you know what the people did here? They wanted to kill him. I think Jesus has a word for us here about telling you what you want to hear. This is from Charles Spurgeon. So, Brother Ken Kangas, Weston, Rodney, J.J., James Robinson, Patrick, others who preach the word to Blackman Baptist Church. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. I learned from this incident, he's referring to this passage of Scripture, I learned from this incident in our Lord's life that it is not the preacher's business to seek to please his congregation. If he labors for that end, he will in all probability not attain it. But if he should succeed in gaining it, what a miserable success it would be. Because if he attains this success in pleasing his listeners, he must lose the favor of his master. We therefore ought to preach many truths which will irritate our hearers. We ought to... declare to them the doctrines which are really for their present and eternal welfare, however distasteful they may be to their carnal reason and natural inclinations. As the physician must give bitter medicines to his patients if he would cure them, so must the preacher, who is truly sent of God, proclaim unplatable truths to his hearers. And he must preach them the more often these bitter truths because men are so unwilling to receive them. That part of the gospel which they will readily embrace without any persuasion need not to be preached so often. I'll just stop right here. That's why we don't preach too much about giving and tithing, because this church doesn't have an issue with giving and tithing. Once again, I'm back in, back into, let me drop back into Spurgeon here. That part of the gospel which they will readily embrace without any persuasion need not be preached so often, but that part's that part which they will kick at and resist must be enforced again and again. If happily at last their judgment should be convinced of its truth and their heart won for its reception. Charles Spurgeon. Preachers, teachers, you have a responsibility to declare the whole counsel of God. Every bit of it. And if it's distasteful, probably need to camp out there. Preachers have a responsibility Listeners do too. Like preachers, listeners have a special responsibility to the Lord and His Word. And I will ask you this, are you listening? Are you doing more than listening? Are you doing the Word of the Lord? Faithless people, like the people here in Nazareth, they demand signs and wonders. And we see this repeated over and over in the Gospels. The people of Israel, show us a sign. It was part of their history. It's part of their DNA. They wanted to see... Something similar to what Moses did at the Red Sea. They wanted to see miracles like Elijah and Elisha. And the people of Nazareth were, they were Jewish. And it was in their culture. 
And they said, hey, we've heard about what you've been doing in Capernaum. Show us too. Faithless people demand signs and wonders. God's word's not enough. So that's a word about preaching what you don't want to hear. Now let me give you a word about those people you hate. In this passage, we see that the Jews hated Gentiles. Now, if you understand the context of this passage, well, maybe you don't understand the context of this passage. Maybe the first time you're reading through, you're saying, why did, why did the people get so upset at Jesus when he told them these two stories that came from the Old Testament? Everybody recognized that this is from the Old Testament. This is the word of God. But they did not like what they were hearing. No, not that we are ever in that category, are we? But for context, understand this. When Jesus tells the story about the widow of Zarephath, he's telling them a story that there were many, many widows in the time of Elijah, this great time of apostasy in the life of Israel, but only one widow was specially ministered to and provided for by God through the prophet Elijah, and that woman didn't live in Israel. That woman wasn't a Jew. That woman was outside the covenant people. Ooh, they didn't want to hear that. And just to make sure they got the point, then he talked to them about a leper who was healed during the time of Elijah's successor, Elisha, also a great prophet who worked many miracles. And Jesus said, hey, there were a lot of lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, but none of them were healed. Only one was healed, and he was naming the Syrian. Ooh, they did not like this. This is not what they were expecting to hear. Jesus is not tickling the ears of his neighbors. He's talking to them about people they hate. And this explains their reaction. So now let me share with you a word about killing the people you hate. Roman law, and remember the Romans are in charge of Israel at this point in time. Roman law prohibited executions by Jewish leaders. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, now why, why would the Romans reserve the right to execute to themselves? But it makes total sense because if the Jewish authorities are able to execute who they want, who are they going to execute? They're going to execute the people who are loyal to Rome first. So there goes Matthew. He's gone. We'll, we'll, t we'll hang on to Simon the Zealot because he's on our side. But just think about, it makes total sense why Roman law would prohibit the execution carried out by Jewish authorities. Now, under the law, and in the past, Jewish law provided for a means of execution, and that was stoning. Now, when I was a kid, I was thinking, I can throw a stone and I can hit somebody, but man... It would take a whole lot of stones, and it would take quite a while to actually execute somebody that way. It's because they didn't understand, but a, there's a little hint in here of how they preferred to do their executions. What they would normally do is they would take the person to be executed, and they would throw him off a high point or a cliff, and normally the fall would kill them or incapacitate them to the point where they couldn't dodge the stones that were being thrown at them. And then the, the Jewish people would take big stones and then throw them on the person until they were eventually died, eventually killed. So the Jewish people, when they were trying to execute Jesus, because that is exactly what they were trying to do, they took him to the edge of the cliff. Their intention was to throw him off the cliff 
and then finish him off. When the Jewish people did that, they knew that they were pushing against Roman law and that they might bear the consequences. They may have to pay the price themselves. And let me tell you, the Roman form of execution was a whole lot worse than the Jewish form of execution. But they were so mad, so angry, so full of evil that they were willing to run that risk. So we see that Jesus has announced Himself. We see the people have rejected Him. But now in our next passage, Luke chapter 4, verses 30, verse 31, we see that Jesus is going to continue His ministry to see continuance. But He walked right through the crowd and went on His way. Then He went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath He taught the people. You know, Jesus announced Himself. His people rejected Him as was prophesied. But that did not stop Jesus from continuing His ministry. He is going to continue His work. Nothing can stop the work of God. Now, was this a miraculous deliverance? Was this a miracle? Did Jesus turn around and look at His neighbors and they just parted? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly how it happened. But I know this, it wasn't the time for Jesus' death. It wasn't in the will of the Father that Jesus die at the bottom of a cliff in Nazareth. It wasn't the Father's will that Jesus pay the price for our sins in His hometown. Jesus has a date with His Father's will upcoming. But here we see the arc of His story. Jesus is announced. Jesus is rejected. But it doesn't stop Him. He sets His face like a flint to carrying out the will of His Father. And you know, this is really the arc of his story throughout his entire life. Jesus' birth was announced by the angels. The shepherds got to hear that. The wise men heard the announcement. Herod heard the announcement as well. And Herod came after him. Herod's plan was to kill him then. But it was not the will of the Father that Jesus die with those other two-year-old and under baby boys in Bethlehem. That was not the will of the Father. Jesus escaped to Egypt. It's the arc of His story. We see announcement. We see rejection. We see continuing on. Because that's exactly what He did. We also see it in the week, Holy Week. We see Palm Sunday. We see Jesus coming into Jerusalem as prophesied. It's the announcement. And the people are saying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But later that week, They'll be shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. And then they will say what I think is one of the most horrifying verses in the entire Bible. In response to Pilate's question, what then shall I do with Jesus? Crucify Him. His blood be on us and our children. Jesus' announcement on Palm Sunday, followed by His rejection at the cross on Friday, but the empty tomb is coming on Sunday. Jesus will continue His work. It's the arc of His story. And it's really the arc of history as well. We see it in the garden. God makes one announcement to Adam and Eve. One rule to follow. And they reject Him. But that does not stop Him from carrying out His will. We see all the prophets announce, rejected God's will continues. We see it in the wilderness. Moses, God's prophet, time and time again, intervening on behalf 
of his people, intervening on behalf of his God to his people. He announces to them over and over. He gives them the law. They reject it. But God will continue his work. And this is what it was in Jesus' life too. It's the arc of history. It's the arc of his story. God announced to the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's an announcement, y'all. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet mankind and Israel reject him over and over and over. But God will continue his work. And this time he's going to continue his work through a different sea, the church. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a member of that church. And we are to do the Lord's will. We are to continue his work. So today God announces his son to the world. He announces that salvation is available and man has a choice. Reject him or be redeemed by him. Regardless, God will continue his work. My only question to you is, will you join him? Since we're living in unprecedented times and since we're trying to flatten the curve, think about your term, your life in terms of the ark. You ever heard the term over the hill? Well, that's kind of related to the ark, okay? So we're born... Uh, we're young for a period and then we reach the high point around 60 and then it's all downhill after that. The arc of our lives. When, you're, when you were born, maybe your birth was announced, maybe it was in the paper. Soon enough, your time to accept or reject Him came and God is so gracious. He gives us multiple opportunities to accept our redemption. But know this, at some point in time, your natural life will reach its end. Your ark will be finished. But that's just your natural life because I know how long you're going to live. Weston, I know how long you're going to live. Sam, I know how long you're going to live. JJ, I know how long you're going to live. You know how long you're going to live? You're going to live forever. Our work, if we love Jesus, Our work can continue on after we're gone through the lives of our children, through the lives of the people we disciple, through the lives of the people that we witness to who come to Christ. Our work can go on. I want you to think about the arc of your life. I don't want you to think about where you are necessarily on the arc because if you're like me and Sam, we're on the downhill. I want you to think about this. What will we leave behind? What are we doing for Jesus that will continue on past our lives? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the beauty of the Gospel, the arc of Jesus' life, how in spite of the glorious announcement and the painful rejection that He continued, He was going to do the will of the Father, whatever it took. We thank You for that. And I pray, Lord, that that's how we will handle rejection as well. That we will pattern ourselves after the life of our Savior, our role model, Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, that if there are those who are still praying through, working through, doubting through, whatever, wherever they are, I pray for those who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ, that they will realize that today is the day of salvation and they need to accept Him to be redeemed. For He paid the price for our sins. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.